Hello and welcome to the Work Matters Podcast, where we talk about what matters at work and how to make it better. I'm Robert Richardson, here with Dr. Steve Hunt. Steve, what matters at work today? Authenticity matters, Robert. The idea of just bringing our full self, being authentic at work about who we really are. Do you know what it means to be authentic in that sense? Is that something that resonates with you? Well, I, I think I do, but in doing some research for this, it's not always immediately what you might assume you know, what you bring to work and what you display at work. And do you have an example you can share uh, maybe from your Yeah, yeah. Authentic doesn't mean that I've never had plastic surgery, for example. That's my (laughs) authentic self. No, authentic, when it comes to leadership, I think the best way to demonstrate it is an example that I had in my own life. And this was sales leader that I worked with about 10 years ago. And this guy ran a huge global sales force, super intense salesperson, and you kind of think, but He was fascinating in how he interacted and engaged with people. And I remember one example that really illustrated this. We had this high pressure meeting with a customer. I was nervous about it, but he came in and right off the bat, he knew who I was and he acknowledged me and showed a really interest in the value that I brought to this meeting with this customer. And he'd never met me before, but you know, the fact that he he knew my name, I know what you're doing. Then when we talked to the customer, He really listened and interacted. He didn't just listen and not say anything. Clearly was paying attention to the contribution I was making. Two other things he did that really struck me as just truly authentic. One, our sales call went terrible. The customer blew up. It's one of the worst sales experiences I've ever had. And we came out, I'm thinking, oh my God. And he goes, well, she clearly thought I was an idiot. She turns to the sales guy (laughs) and she thought you were an idiot too. And Steve, she thought you were a really well-educated idiot. (laughs) And it just cracked us up, right? It just changed the whole tone. And then the last thing, and I just still admire this guy about it, is later on, he got up in front of the whole sales organization about a year later, and he talked about how he was going to change his role because he was traveling a lot. And he said, I need to spend more time with my kids. They're teenagers. I need to be around them more. And I was in the same situation at that time in my life. And his vulnerability and talking about that was huge. It actually had a big impact on me. And to me, that was really this authentic, super high intense person, but just authentic. You felt comfortable around him. Today, we have another fantastic, authentic leader. We're really excited to have Jill Popelka, who is the head of SAP Success Factors, has been at SAP and thought about this topic a lot, talks about it a lot. And I think the best way to introduce Jill once we bring her on is something that was posted about her on LinkedIn, which is Jill Popelka is an extraordinary leader who strives to be better every day. She brings out the best in her team. She always gives the best of herself. She's open to suggestions, new to creative ideas. She treats people with dignity and respect, and she is the epitome of a great leader. So Jill, Welcome to the show. You're the first epitome we've had on Work Matters, but tell us a little bit about yourself and what authenticity is and why it matters so much to you. Well, hey, Steve. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you today, and I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm humbled, humbled to be speaking about it with you. Authenticity is really about being real. It's about showing that vulnerability because we can only solve the hardest challenges if we're real about what they are, if we truly understand what they are. Generally, that means someone has to be vulnerable, has to take the first step into the conversation with saying, hey, I'm not perfect. And I can tell you right now, I'm not perfect. And so it's a very easy conversation generally for me to kick off. That vulnerability 
is a foundation for trust. And so what we miss if we're not authentic is being able to solve the hardest problems. And we miss building the strongest relationships because we don't have that vulnerability. One of the reasons we talk about things like authenticity is because they don't exist a lot. When you look at that, why do you think people are inauthentic at work? At work, we often think that to perform well, we have to be the smartest or the strongest person in the room. And that means that often you walk in and lead with ego, right? In order to like get out there and, and lead a conversation. You sometimes ignore the issues. You pretend that things are not as they really are, whether better or worse, right? You're creating a reality that has something that's not true. You're mm -hmm. kind of avoiding the truth. I think that the reason we do that is to build our own strength. But what we don't realize is studies have been done, right? If you've read anything from Brene Brown or read some Adam Grant, you know that the strength comes from that vulnerability, that the strength of a leader often comes when they can acknowledge where they have a limitation or a gap in their knowledge and their skill set, and they can fill that with the strengths of the team around them. That's what amazing leadership is today, I believe. That's so interesting. So what you're saying is, you know, the way you show self-confidence is by showing vulnerability, which is a little bit counterintuitive. In your own journey, have you always felt this way? Is there has been something that you sort of discovered as you've developed as a leader yourself? Well, I think I've always known that I'm not perfect. I try not to lead with ego. I think I've become a lot more comfortable in it recently because when you practice it, you realize how well it works. I flew over to uh, Asia about four years ago and I lived there for three years. And I very quickly realized after a couple of weeks in Singapore that there was much more that I didn't know than I did. And I was gonna need a very strong team of people around me in order to help fill all of my gaps. And when you're honest about those limitations, it actually draws out greater strengths from the people around you. When you can be really super honest about, hey, I don't know the culture in Japan all that well, or I don't know the business dynamics and the business values in Korea the way that I do from living and working in America for a long time. And so when you acknowledge those things more specifically, the strengths of the people around you come out to fill those gaps. It's really magical how it works. So I believe that that vulnerability led to strength and success when I was in Asia. And it just taught me that the best way to go into a room is vulnerable and starting with the reality. That's such a great story. And I think especially in that example, you know, you find yourself in an environment where you know you really know you don't know a lot of what's going on. It's the opposite. Sometimes talk about people have the imposter syndrome where people feel, oh, I don't belong here. But it's almost like, no, embrace that fact. Embrace you're there for a reason, but also be open about what you don't know. I think that's a great way to think about it. Well, and it's so hard for people to know how to help you or how to surround themselves with people who can help with whatever the issue is if they don't know where some of your weaknesses lie. I'm curious, do you have a counterexample? Jill, do you have an example from someone you've seen or even yourself, you know, where they didn't wear their vulnerability and maybe represented themselves in a way that wasn't authentic? Yeah, of course. We all have these examples. I mean, in small and big ways, you see this on a daily basis. One of those I'll say is in the sales world, I've had some sales leaders that have said, we want you to forecast the number no matter what. This is your budget. You forecast your budget and then you go and make your budget. What that prevents is the ability for me to share where I'm having challenges in an account. You know, if I'm a salesperson and the sales leader has just told me call budget no matter what, and then go deliver it, what it doesn't allow me to do is to be vulnerable. It doesn't allow me to say, actually, I'm not gonna get to that target today and I need your help in order to do it. We're all driven 
to get to our objectives. I mean, if you're in sales, you know that you want to go make your objective. And so you're working toward it hard already. Let your sales teams be vulnerable so that you can bring the value that they need to go excel and achieve and close the deal. God, I love that you went there because it's a really potent example of how inauthenticity can actually affect an entire business. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking it's true too, because you say that point about authenticity is the foundation for the trust. And if you don't have trust, you don't have clarity as a leader with what's going on in your company, but also as an individual, as an employee on how you can be better because everything's sort of built on this impressions as opposed to reality. It goes back to that story I shared of that sales leader when we came out of that call, the first thing he did was admit, I'm an idiot, right? <laughs> Give everybody <laughs> you know? permission to admit it, right? In, in a joking way, but it was very self-critical, right? And that sort of opened us up to have a sort of a much better conversation. Exactly, and to draw that out just a little bit more, because this is true in sales, it's true in product, it's true anywhere, right? Whether you're in product development, whether you're out trying to close deals with customers, if you're not acknowledging where the challenges are, first of all, you can't get other people to help solve them. But secondly, you're not creating those neuropathways that make you think about the challenges, right? And you wanna be a critical thinker. You want to be someone who's constantly thinking about those challenges and thinking about how you solve them. Mm -hmm. And so if you create an environment where you're allowing that vulnerability and you are striving to help people think about the challenges, they're going to become more critical thinkers. They're all going to be better performers in whatever they're doing. Yeah, it just allows us to have really honest conversations about what's going on. When people aren't afraid that by being honest, they're going to be hammered, like your sales example. It's like, if I know I'm not going to get this done, make it safe for me to say, I know I'm not going to get it done. So we can figure out if maybe there's a way to get it done, as opposed to get angry at me that I'm not sharing the news that you want. If we're being honest and if we're being authentic, there are people who don't 100% agree with the premise that we're talking about, the doctrine of authenticity, so to speak. We've had a, at least one guest who, in an unpublished part of our podcast, said, I don't want you to bring your whole self to work. I don't care if you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. This is work. So where do we draw these limits, Jill? Is there a limit to how far authenticity should go? Well, Robert, I love this question. It's, it's my favorite question because you're asking the provocative comment of, can we really be our whole selves at work? We can, but there have to be some boundaries in order to protect productivity, right? So let me, I'll give you a personal example. Last night, I had two kids in tears, right? They were a mess, they were falling apart. They're teenagers, they actually handle their own stuff pretty well, but they'd had tough days and they were exhausted and they were laying it all on mom. Okay, so this morning when I came to work, I could have shared those issues and how I didn't get as much sleep as I needed to either yeah. with all of my colleagues. I could have taken up 20 minutes of a 45 minute phone call talking about my own personal problems, but that's not gonna help get the job done. You wanna be vulnerable when it does produce the trust and effectiveness on the team, right? You don't wanna waste time with it. And so you put some of that personal stuff aside and you become truly vulnerable in the work topics that you're addressing today. I think that's still bringing your whole self to work. I think it's just having boundaries between life and work. Yeah, and I think there's also other forums that you can bring other challenges to. So, you know, your HR department, depending on where you work, may have support for some of the challenges you're facing. Home does affect work life, and oftentimes there are mechanisms there to support you. Oh, exactly. <laughs> right now, especially, we are all trying to draw those boundaries. We're trying to be healthy, and how we address well-being and how we do the things that we need to for ourselves at home, but then also, you know, show up good at work. I think Jill's that example, the way I'd put it is be authentic when it's relevant to work, 
but your coworkers are not your counseling psychologists. If it's relevant to the work that I've got some challenges with family care, like, you know, that example I shared at the beginning, he shared that because it was relevant to the changing role that he's having at work. So people are wondering, but I think it is maybe like, be authentic when it's relevant, but if it's not relevant, it's counseling, not work. <laughs> well, and, and you know what we all have, especially in today's environment, we all have colleagues that are trusted friends that we mm -hmm. trust for those personal. And so maybe you set a call at lunch after work where you say, hey, can I just share this problem I'm having at home? And, and that's where your colleagues kind of become a little bit half counselor. That's okay on a one on one, but you know, not in a big group call. It's not always completely appropriate. Yeah, I have a coworker who I'll quote, who calls this her inner circle. I remember one call I was felt flattered because she said, hey, you're part of my inner circle now, and I'm going to ask you a question because of it. Jill, can I ask you? Maybe it's a tough one. I don't know. But can you share something you're bad at, right? Uh, I could give you a long list, Robert, of all the things that I'm bad at. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm human. Not to overuse it, but I think the example of being in Asia is, is really a good one. There were so many things that I didn't know. But let me give you an example of something very specific. If you're going to build trust in Japan, you have to understand the ceremony. You have to understand the structure of the meeting. You have to understand the dynamic of business. You also have to understand how to work with a translator. I'd never done any of those things before. And so I had to be really honest. And I was the leader of this team. I was the APJ leader for our whole region. And I was going into a specific country and they yeah. were meeting their leader for the first time. And I had to say, mm, guys, I've read a lot about it but I don't know it deeply. Can you walk me through it? Can we do a role play? Can we do something where you can help me get up to speed on this so that I'm better? They were thrilled, right? Of course, like we're happy to help you do that. I was nervous about asking for it, but it really helped us perform very well in the meeting. It gave the translator some additional practice at what we were gonna talk about during that meeting. And it really ended up making this a killer meeting for everyone involved because we did that role play. I just had to be humble enough to say that I needed a practice run. Personally, what I often tell people is I wear my intelligence on one sleeve and I wear my ignorance on the other. When I know the answer, I will confidently tell you as much. When I'm not sure, I'm also going to tell you. And I might tell you my opinion and what I think, but I'm going to lay it out so that you know we might need to do some more research. If it's a healthy work culture, people like to help other people out. We're sort of fundamentally altruistic. And if you're authentic as you did and you enlist people to help you, they help you as instead of criticizing you. But if you wait for them to discover the mistakes, then they'll criticize you. Getting into that, how can you become more authentic? Well, I don't, I don't know that there's a magic bullet here, Steve, but I'll, I'll give some things that I think could help. And this is an exercise I actually took my team through recently. So first of all, we went around the table and we each talked about our two greatest strengths. So step one, I think, is to know your strengths because that gives you some additional confidence to know that you're bringing value already. And it allows you to be vulnerable. It allows you to be humble in some other areas. So the second one is obviously be honest about your limitations. Be ready to practice vulnerability and practice it in small ways and baby step your way into doing it in bigger ways. And third, at the end of every week, if you can reflect on your behaviors, reflect on when you were vulnerable, you'll find that it always led to great outcomes. It led to someone else stepping up. It led to you understanding more about someone else's strength. It led to something good. And when you reflect on those behaviors, it kind of reinforces that ability to, to be authentic. That's really good. I like that, that starting point in the strengths, as you said, because earlier on we started, you said part of being authentic is putting your ego at the side and being confident, but not arrogant, I guess, is a way of thinking about it. And to learn people's strengths, I think a lot of do people start with they're sort of anxious, particularly when they should probably most be authentic is when they most feel like they have to fake it until they make it, so to speak. 
what are some of the ways a person can get confidence in what their strengths are? So you like you had that team exercise. There's other things that you would recommend to somebody to say, look, you're here for a reason. Well, you know, I think we can all start by building an environment of psychological safety, right? So help guide your leadership, your peers on this concept of psychological safety. You can actually do it just by making it kind of an exercise. Hey, let's talk about psychological safety. This is a hot topic lately. Have you guys heard about this? You know, you can kind of introduce the concept in a way that says, this is gonna be great for our culture. It leads to greater uh, learning opportunities and to greater growth of the team. Let's give this a shot. Let's see if we can improve on this as a group. I think just making this suggestion makes everyone more aware. If it's not a psychologically safe environment, it starts to plant seeds within your leader's mind. And nobody's going to shoot you down for an idea that could make you more productive and grow and learn better as a team. What about you mentioned the little steps, the taking little steps. Can you give some examples of maybe where you or you've seen other people do a good job in testing the waters of vulnerability? I'll, I'll give you a very recent example. We were, um, were in a team meeting recently. It was one of those uh, virtuals where there were some people in person and some people on the phone, and you know how awkward that can be already. And one of the people that was in person in the room was an early talent, somebody that had only been with us for a short period of time at SAP. And we were going around doing kind of a round table, everyone was speaking, and, and when we got to him, he said a few things, and then he said, I'm sorry guys, I'm really nervous. We said, what? You just said the most enlightening thing of everyone at this table. You have no reason to be nervous, right? Everybody was like cheering him on. And I think just the pause, the true strength you saw in someone that was younger that said, I'm really nervous right now, brings out the humanity in all of this, brings out that connection that we want to have as human beings to help one another. And, and so I just encourage everyone that's out there, right, to bring their authentic self in small ways, uh, you can build that environment of psychological safety. You can teach people the value of vulnerability and the value of authenticity. That's really good. I think it's on that vulnerability too. It's actually one of the interesting things about feedback that we are trained. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So a lot of people don't get feedback because they don't create a safe environment for people to give feedback. Which like, you know, the example that I've given, if I'm doing a presentation or something and I want feedback from it, before I go, I'll ask somebody, could you please tell me two things I could do better, but ask before the presentation. So when you ask at the end, how'd I do? They're giving you a gift as opposed to feeling like they're criticizing. Opening that dialogue, I think that's a great example. The last thing I wanted to check on is you said sort of three steps, understand your strengths, take little steps to vulnerability. And the last one I think is really important, but I think people don't do it, is reflect on how your behaviors have impacted the world. Sort of that self-awareness of how am I influencing the world around me? Are there tips or things that you've found in your own career that have really helped you to do this? Sure. I mean, I've, I've gotten guidance and read really wise advice around, first of all, think about your plan for the week before you get to the week ahead, right? So Sunday nights, I try to make a list of the things that I want to achieve in the week in front of me. That gives me a little bit of a guide for where my priorities need to be. It's not going to be every detailed thing, but I think that's important. And then at the end of every day, make a little journal. It doesn't have to be like pages of Dear Diary. It can just be like, hey, these are the three things that I accomplished today. These are the three things that are kind of still on my mind or bothering me. This is the area that I didn't feel like I was my best. And why was that, right? What does that take? So you're being real with yourself at the end of every day and then reflecting on that at the end of the week and saying, you know, what can I do better as I move forward? I took a, a survey not too long ago. It was a Forrester survey about future fitness and I loved it because it actually recommended this. It recommended it in a way, think about something 
every day during a week, think about it differently than you've ever thought about it before. Okay, so this requires vulnerability inherently because it makes you acknowledge that you haven't been thinking about something in a detailed enough way or not been thinking about it from the right perspective. So you think about something and, and you challenge yourself to talk to people who might have a different view. And then at the end of the week, you reflect if your view has changed. Why is this important for future fitness? Because we have to be flexible. We have to understand that our beliefs may be consistent, but the world around us may evolve and we have to change the way we think about those things. And so future fitness requires us to have an evolved sense of on our behaviors and, and our thought processes so that we can be agile as we move forward. These little exercises you're talking about that get us to reflect on what we did well, what we could have done better, are so important too, because one of the biggest things in psychology, I don't know if you've heard of the fundamental attribution error, which is basically that we take credit for successes. It's like, it was me, but if we fail, we blame the world around us. And it's reversed for other people. So it's like, if somebody cuts you off while they're driving, it's because they're a jerk. But if you cut them off, it's because I had to avoid that pothole. But the reason, one of the reasons why that is, is we can't see our own behaviors. We only see other people's behaviors. And I think what you're talking about is that importance of finding a way to reflect on our own behaviors, both to know what we're good at, but also to learn what we could be better. I think that's so powerful, so simple, yet just not done. When you think about that person out there who's going, man, I'd like to work in an authentic culture, an authentic company where I can have this kind of experience, what tips would you provide to those sort of people to say, here are some things. Let's start with the managing and then go to the positive. First of all, are there any things you should not do? It's like you would hate to see somebody walk away from this and go do something You're like, no, that's not what I meant. Well, I think we talked about it a little bit. Don't fill up all the airtime with all of your flaws and weaknesses. Like I said, I could have done that on this podcast today. I could have given you my laundry list of weaknesses and that would have gotten us nowhere in terms of addressing how to be more authentic, right? It would have been a fun exercise in vulnerability. You guys could have laughed a little bit, but it wouldn't have really gotten us any deeper understanding of the concept of vulnerability. So I'd say don't fill the airwaves with your weaknesses. But at the same time, make sure to inform people, especially when they're relevant, right? So that they can surround you with the support the whole team needs to succeed. Exactly. Yeah, there's a difference between sharing and venting. Right. <laughs> correct, correct. Good word. Sharing and oversharing. Well, uh, what about on the positive side? What are some specific things you suggest, hey, go out and, and do this right away? This is something will get you started on this journey to being more authentic. Well, I'd say first, start by recognizing. Start by never underestimating the impact one person can have in a meeting. The impact that one person can have in a conversation is huge. Right? You can change the entire tone by one person acknowledging the same way that that early talent did in the meeting that I was discussing, right? Change the whole tone of how people were thinking with one comment just by acknowledging that he was, he was feeling a little nervous. He was speaking in front of a whole group of people that he hadn't before. You can change the tone of a meeting with just a few words. And if you are acknowledging reality, if you're being humble and acknowledging weaknesses, but toward a greater impact, a greater value for the team, then that's going to make a measurable difference in the environment that you have in front of you. That's really good, both by being authentic yourself, but also listening and positively responding when other people are being authentic to you. Really good advice. Well, Robert, do you have any last questions for Jill as we're wrapping up here? I don't think so. I just appreciate you being authentic. Thanks for coming on the show and being willing to share some of the good stories, some of the not so great stories and the ways to improve for, you know, both managers and individual contributors, as we call them in HR alike. Yeah. 
Absolutely, Jill. We finally know what an authentic epitome looks like, and you are the epitome <laughs> of a good leader. So thank you so much. John. Thanks for having me, guys. The time just really flew by, and I just hope that every one of the listeners out there will recognize the impact that they can have with authenticity, because with authenticity in every person, we can truly make the world a better place. I absolutely agree. Great wisdom. Well, Jill, thank you so much for praying on Work Matters. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Robert, what's your authentic reaction to what Jill just shared? I was impressed. I really like how she started with know your strengths. And when you know your strengths, it is interesting how much easier it becomes to admit some of your weaknesses. It's funny. I think that's something I've, I've always said, too, that once you get really good at something, it's amazing how much easier it is to admit when you're not so fantastic at, at something and the kind of support that you'll see rally around you to help in that limitation. Jill is the first person we've had on this show, I think, that is an SAP employee. And I think the fact that the reaching out to ask on is a sign of just how authentic she is. And aside from, of course, you're going to say this, she's like a leader in your company. But the reality is we've done really, really well since Jill's moved on as our company. I think there's, we've seen the benefits in our own environment of this authenticity. Well, and you can maybe even see some of the reason why she's insisting on authenticity at all levels of the organization, including sales. Yeah, it's been fascinating how that's how it's affected the culture of our own organization. The other thing that Jill shared was going back to the reason for authenticity is it's not just about feeling good and being inclusive and all that. That is part of it. But she really said as a leader, it's about if you want an effective organization, you need trust and honesty. And I'm reminded of something that my father once said as he was a scientist. He said, we need to understand the world as it is if we truly want to make it better, not understand it as we think or wish it would be. Starting with that candid discussion, and we get that through this authenticity, but the interesting thing is that authenticity starts with sort of a combination of self-confidence and vulnerability. Actually, I think your dad and Jill would have gotten along great because uh, she said, if, if you're not authentic, you're going to miss solving some of the hardest problems. Absolutely. essentially what your, your dad's getting at as well. We don't have to be the strongest person in the room. We don't need to lead with ego. Strength comes from vulnerability. And that's how we all move forward, right? By understanding the big challenges that we're facing. Absolutely. And the big challenge here at Work Matters is trying to keep our podcast below three hours in length. So we're going to force <laughs> ourselves to stop talking about this. And Robert, you want to take us out? Happy to do it. All right, everybody. That's our show for today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to our guest, Jill Papelka. Thanks to our chief sanity officer, Morgan Gartner our editor, Robbie Echeverria, and our sponsor, Domi Caputo. Thanks to the Open SAP team for supporting this and so much other educational programming for professionals. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we hope to have earned a new subscriber and perhaps a quick rating wherever you listen. We'll be sure to get you more information in our show notes. So if you're looking for more from Jill Papelka, myself, Robert Richardson, or the ever prolific Dr. Steve Hunt, who, by the way, is working on another super secret book as we speak. Look no further than our show notes. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast because what matters? Well, today, authenticity matters. Work matters. Thanks for joining us on the Work Matters Podcast. <laughs>